think for me it would mean feeling like I've finally been accepted to a place that I've been calling my home for my whole life, like you said. Um, one of the things that that I know that would happen would be feeling like I accomplished something, that I no longer have to think about you know, saving everything and not buying certain things. And, and be able to, to contribute to this society, more importantly my community where I grew up, um, for you know better you know uh, better healthcare, better air quality, you know, and all these stuff. We are trying to do good things. We are trying to um, salir adelante. You know, we're trying to help each other out, help everyone. So I learned a lot through the students who opened up and shared their stories and we started working together then I became kind of the expert on campus that people would go to and spread the word in the community hey if you're going to state look for Cynthia. Doctor recipient it's pretty difficult to navigate a huge university what is it like more than 25,000 students and it's really hard you know just finding that one little spot on campus where you feel accepted más que nada. Harsh but I mean don't lose hope um, some administration is like fighting out there even though it's a complicated process and they're fighting for us. I mean it is our job to continue to fight and to continue to educate others. Well guys my name is Juan Daniel Avila. Welcome back to another episode of the Sideways Show. This time a little bit more intimate. Just keeps getting more intimate. What you just heard there was the voice of a couple of DACA recipients and some people that advocate for them uh, here in San Diego. So I thought it was a very special intro. First time kind of doing this situation where it's not just one or two people talking, but at this point it's six. But I really want to dive deep into the situation, this issue. Uh, DACA recipients still pursuing a pathway towards citizenship. And as myself being a DACA recipient, this really hits home, you know, uh, all the stories, everyone's stories that I had interviewed these past couple weeks, this project taking, you know, more than anticipated time of what I wanted to do. But I think just going about interviewing these people, hearing their stories that, you know, it's, it's similar to mine, but obviously everyone has a different background on how they got here. But just some little education before we even dive deep into the podcast itself is what are DACA recipients? What does DACA mean? What's a deferred action for childhood arrivals? So pretty much the Obama administration passed this uh, the Dream Act, which enables young childhood, uh, young kids, young uh, adults to be legally here in the United States. And uh, most of the stories are similar. Like I said. Uh, they had to be at least three years uh, old or young, and uh, they most likely immigrated from somewhere other than the uh, United States. But according to the United States Immigration Services, the United States, most of them, a good percentage of them are from Mexico, and they mostly reside here in California, but obviously they're all over the country. So I just want to dive deep into this issue that, even before in the Obama administration, 
they had promised that eventually uh, us DACA recipients, also known as Dreamers, which I will refer more to as Dreamers throughout the podcast, is that we would get a pathway towards citizenship. And, you know, a decade now has passed and we still haven't gotten anything. But the good news here is that as soon as Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, took office in 2021 in his inauguration day, he signed a uh, a couple laws here and there that mention one of them precisely is a pathway towards citizenship for DACA recipients. But unfortunately, obviously, we had COVID. Uh, more likely, we had other issues and concerns. And usually this is how it happens. You know, we've seen this through not just the Biden administration, but the DACA recipients get left behind, get left unnoticed, kind of unbothered, like it doesn't matter. You know, we're just another issue piling up uh, on top of uh, millions of issues or hundreds of issues that we have in the country. So I think at this point, um, people that are advocating are pushing again is that, you know, we're here. We we need our voices to be heard. We need that pathway to citizenship now because we're in a very critical time in history, not just in, in the country, but in history, you know. Now that the Ukraine war and Russian war um, have arised, it could present even more issues that will definitely uh, not let us have this opportunity in which we thought with the Biden administration would have it and finally have some type of legal status here in the country. But, you know, luckily for me, I have a couple of interviews here. Uh, They're really lengthy, but I will cut down the short versions of these people's stories, what what has to be heard, as you can hear, some of them have aspirations of doing different things, helping the community out, which is what it is at the end of the day. It's coming back, helping the community out, helping people out, and uh, spreading the message, educating people of what that guy is, what, what they represent. And, uh, you know, they're a big, big um, impact on the economy. Obviously, they pay taxes. We pay taxes. We, we are as... Antonio Marquez, one of the MMJs for Univision Palm Streets, likes to call it. We're model citizens. We can't make mistakes. If we do, our DACA and our work permit would be revoked. So uh, very, very critical instances here. Uh, we're on a tight leash. We're on a tight rope. But, you know, I'll hop into some interviews here and there and kind of serve as a as a mediator to kind of expanding on what I get from uh, the people here, the dreamers. So let's get right into it. First one was uh, Antonio Marquez. Like I said, I spend a whole day with him pretty much talking about, you know, his upcoming and how far he's gone to because he is already in the field working for Univision, one of the biggest uh, Hispanic networks in the media. So let's jump into it and see what he had to say and how he feels in this current moment in his life. It's hard to know, especially as we move on in our careers and our daily life, basically, not knowing or not being sure that we're gonna have a, a tomorrow, like here in this country. Like it's it's hard to keep going, it's hard to motivate yourself you know sometimes and it's even harder 
when you're moving on, not only in school, in your career, but in life. Like you're getting older and you have all these plans, like people are buying houses and getting settled, I guess. And you don't see yourself getting settled down because you're like, what if tomorrow I get deported? And then you're, you're gonna lose everything. And I remember I recently applied for deferred act, not deferred action, um, basically like advanced parole. And with it, we were talking about it with some of my coworkers at the Undocumented Resource Center where I used to work right before I got to Univision. And one of the topics that came up was that, hey, what if you get stuck in Mexico and you're done, like you don't come back, like what, what happens then? Well, in their case, like their families are mixed families, like meaning like some of their brothers are born here, they're, they're undocumented, so you know, they could get deported. Their parents are, are obviously undocumented, so it's a mixed status family. But for me, like, it's the other way around. Like, everybody's, like, legally here. My mom remarried, so she got legalized. My brother and my sister were adopted when I was 18. Um, so they were born here. So I was the only one that didn't have, like, a set status here, you know? So those family trips, those uh, family outings to Mexico, like, made me feel like I wasn't part of the family. So like keeping that in mind and everything that's going on in, in government, like in the government and like they're basically everything that they say, like they promise us, you know, things and then doesn't come through. Um, it's hard, it takes a toll on you like mentally um, because you don't know like what's to come. So you, you heard Marquez here, he has uh, definitely gone through some stuff. He he knows that, you know, it's tough. It's tough. In other words, instead of me explaining it, how draining it could be, you know, going day in, day out, you know, fear of, uh, you know, don't know what's next. Every two years we have to renew. We have to uh, go through the same process, pay a fee. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's there's no promises of what's going to happen next. Like he said, you don't know what's coming tomorrow, you know, as we saw it in the Trump administration itself. He wanted to get rid of it. That's probably one of the scariest things that's happened to his DACA recipients. You know, it ended and, uh, you know, it could have gone worse. He could have deported us all if you really wanted to, because that's what he was talking about in his campaign. But the good thing about this is that DACA recipients are dreamers. They they have solutions. They They're here to fight. They're here to really prove themselves and uh, that's what I'm going to be sharing for these next couple clips is the solutions they, they're presenting and their points of view of uh, either the government working with us or not but the first one here is Ingrid she's talking about exactly what should be done she knows that there's power out there in, in the higher political power the Senate, the Congress that could definitely make a change and this is what she has to say um, there has to be major changes in our laws, uh, both immigration laws and then, you know, just uh, laws that like affect cultures um, or sometimes, you know, are ethically, um, you know, biased against certain identities or ethnicities. 
there needs to be a huge change in the individuals who are, you know, in the Congress, you know, and that can easily be done by, um, you know, putting that word out. There's a lot of individuals who are way better out there running for those uh, positions. But I mean, it is up to us as people to like educate others who are able to vote to like, um, you know, make them aware of like their backgrounds and you know to either replace the individuals that are not doing so much over there in the congress and replace them with individuals that are capable or that are want to do change that was ingrid's point of view you know she's really digging into the options that we have as a country i mean one of the most powerful countries in the world we should be able to deal with stuff like this but then we have people like juan who in his case, have lost faith of uh, the system. And, you know, he thinks this is all a game. And, you know, we're, we're just little ice chests. I think that's what he says. But here's his point of view on how he feels about the political system. It's very, I don't want to say heartbreaking, but it's very nerve wracking and very aching to see how far we have been into this administration. And there hasn't been any help for our, our dreamer students and for us in general. Yes, there has been attempts, but without getting too political, they just keep using us as bargaining chips. Um, they got us in with the promise, they made a promise to us, to everybody that it was going to happen. And they have the means for it to happen, both in the government and in the executive branch. But you know, Little by little, I don't want to say that my hope is starting to fade away, but it is, you know, you're getting, you get used to it. You know, so many empty promises. And I say this with all the pain in my heart. You just get used to all that playing around that, you know, oh, this is in the house right now. But we, you know, we really need something that's not only for us DACA recipients, but for our family members también. Because it's, I like to say that they're the original dreamers. They're the ones that had that dream for us. And I am living that dream right now in this university, studying to become, you know, a better person to benefit this country. Then we have the other aspect, another one, just another point of view from Carla, saying that this is perhaps just a, a racism uh, move on, the, on, on this movement, exactly, because... I mean, it has been a decade, more than a decade. And, uh, you know, uh, her friend here, her sister-in-law, who introduced me to Carla, also was uh, saying, you know, this if they really wanted us to have a citizenship or a legal status, they would have done it a long time ago. She also believes this is a tactic that they're using so they could possibly get, uh, the Democrats could get the, the vote, the Latino vote, the Hispanic vote, etc., for this next upcoming election. But the only way that will work is if, in this case, they do pull through with their promise. But this is Carla's point of view. I feel like this is, um, it's obviously in a little bit of racism, right? Because, um, like I said, is it's, it's us being here. Like, it's a few of us that, you know, that we are doing good, you know, um, we don't have any criminal history or anything, you know, and I don't think it's fair that, um, that yeah, that they're putting this, this, um, this barrera, 
on this, you know? Because um, I feel like it's a barrera. And for us, for us as, a, as a community, and especially, you know, as a Latin community, not to grow up, not to grow as, as a community, not to grow as a, as a Latinas, Latinos, you know? And that is, it's, it's sad. It, it, it's sad, you know, because we have, we have so much to share. We have a lot of to share, but yeah. <laughs> One very interesting person that I talked to was Cynthia Torres, the director of the Undocumented Resource Center at San Diego State. And one thing she points out for DACA recipients to really see and to push through is that change is slow, always has, always will be, is kind of her mode or her motto as she pulls back and looks back at, into the Chicano movement, what is, which is what inspired her to even start helping people, you know, looking at that change, a, a huge change that, I mean, took more than 30 years. She goes deep into debt of, of the whole uh, waiting, you know, for Chicanos to have a space in uh, the higher education system and, you know, all around as well, in the culture, in the American culture. And so her, her words of advice is that change is going to be slow, but, you know, it might not happen this this next two years in the Biden administration, but it will happen. So this is her words of motivation and uh, kind of going off and finishing off on this, on the subject is that there's hope, even though these dreamers like myself have gone through 10 years plus of, uh, you know, suffering and living in fear is that there's still hope, even though we've seen it all almost, you know, we've gone through a pandemic where, we're helping being on the front lines, especially now, you know, being there fighting COVID. So this is her words of advice going forward into what should be a pathway to citizenship. Get everything that you've come through and overcame and things that people maybe assume that you would never do. And if you put your mind to it, you can. The citizenship is a paper that says you're legally here. It doesn't come on your face. There's no badge to say I'm undocumented. Live your life to the fullest. Take advantage of the opportunities you can. If nothing uh, passes in the next couple of months, be assured that you can still, you will still exist. You will still be here. You can still make your imprint. We have Jose Antonio Vargas, who's a key example. He's been at protests and says, I'm undocumented right there and there's ice and everything, but they yet they don't they don't uh, arrest him. So it is possible to continue to live your life under this status, but find ways, just like Charette has with the undocumented professionals, ways to incorporate a business, incorporate yourself into the society. There are people buying homes right now. That doesn't matter your status because it's all about funds. So I think one can be successful and not let this one aspect of your identity um, overshadow everything else that you have accomplished and that you will accomplish in your life. Wow, those words were truly inspiring when Cynthia was talking to me and telling me that in real time, you know, going through a motivation like that really helps to keep uh, the hopes up. But this is going a little bit over top of how long I wanted it to be now. So I'm going to end 
the podcast here with uh, a couple of uh, sound bites from these individuals, Juan, Isabella, Antonio, and Ingrid, which all, you know, are still hopeful of uh, what's to come. And the, the fight continues. That's how uh, Juan likes to call it. So thank you guys for being here, for listening to this short little segment. I could go deeper into each individual's story, but that'd be hours of just talking and talking because there's so much similarities, so much uh, struggles that us DACA recipients have lived through and shared that it's become a big community now and a growing one. So again, thank you for tuning in, for listening, and I hope you could appreciate these stories. I will try to continue doing uh, X series specifically on this because I think it's very interesting and the truth and the stories have to be shared in order to get more acknowledgement of uh, this situation and this issue. Thank you again. My name is Juan Daniel Avila, and I hope you enjoy these inspiring quotes. Thank you. Tell them to not give up, you know? Just And I say this, not, not only speaking to them, but also to myself. Just don't give up. Siga en la lucha. Continue the fight. Um, we have to continue building community together and fighting together because it's it's still going to be difficult. Um, I know when DACA was rescinded, um, it just affected many of us negatively. And I'm never going to forget one. I forget the name of the person, but I heard someone say, like, you know what? I'm not going to be sad that DACA got rescinded. Um, better yet, I'm going to use it as motivation to keep on fighting because we can't be just we can't just confirm conform with DACA we need more so just with that little spark I would just continue telling people you know let's the fight goes on um let's not give up if someone if you see someone fall down just help them back up and you know retell them to know tell them why they are doing it it might not be for their own personal gain but for the greater community you know and even if don't don't look back keep keep doing what you're doing and uh, and shine shine out there you know T- tell our stories share our stories also that way you know they can see, re- really really see us and see how, how hard we're working and just keep working hard <laughs> keep working hard and I know things are harsh but I mean don't lose hope um, some administration is like fighting out there even though it's a complicated process and they're fighting for us I mean it is our job to continue to fight and to continue to educate others um, you know if you're on campus you know do rallies get informed do an or- organization a group um, if you're at home and you are in social media a lot and you have a lot of friends who are unaware on your contact list or friend list you know share things you know like inform them um, I know sometimes it can be nerve-wracking because you're like, but well, what if I get judged, you know? But I mean, it's your identity. It's who you are. Um, and it's better for others to know because, like, I was writing a paper right now for one of my programs, and I've interviewed a lot of individuals who had no clue what DACA was. So informing them is, like, pretty much our priority right now.